This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And then in Matthew 4, 6, Matthew 4, 6, and he goes on, saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it's written, He shall give his angels charge concerning, their, concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. So in the voice of his brothers, you can hear the devil's voice. You can hear the devil's voice with the words, if thou be the son of God, go up to Jerusalem. Show your miracles in the capital city. Don't waste your time in this insignificant Galilee. Go for the heights of Jerusalem. That is, unless you're a coward, unless you want to hide in secret. So if you think the Lord had the comfort of a loving family that he could resort to, think again. The Lord had as much love and acceptance from his brothers as Joseph did from his brothers. Genesis 37, 4, Genesis 37, 4, Joseph's brothers. When his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Genesis 37, 5, Genesis 37, 5, Joseph dreamed a dream. He told his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. Verse 8, Genesis 37, 8, 37, 8, his brethren said to him, shalt thou indeed reign over us, and shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? They hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And then... Uh, the ultimate, Genesis 37, 18. Genesis 37, 18. When they saw him afar off, his brothers, Joseph's brothers, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. They wanted to kill him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, let us slay him. Cast him into some pit 
And we'll say some evil, some evil beast hath devoured him. We'll see what will become of his dreams. The Lord had, the Lord received as much love from his brothers as Joseph received from his brothers who tried to kill him. Joseph was hated by his brothers. Joseph, hated by his brothers, was a type of the Lord Jesus, hated by his brothers. The Lord had, had as much love and acceptance from his brothers as Jacob did with his brother Esau. Genesis 27:41. Genesis 27:41. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. The Lord received as much love from his brothers as Jacob received from his brother Esau, who was planning to kill him. Jacob, that picture of Jacob, hated by Esau, was a type of Jesus, the type of the Lord Jesus. It's because the brothers of the Lord, they knew it would be fatal for the Lord to go up publicly to Jerusalem, but that didn't stop them from daring him to do it when they said in John 7, 4, John 7, 4, if thou do these things, show thyself to the world. And the basic problem with the brothers who hated Jesus was John 7, 5. John 7, 5. Neither did his brothers believe in him. And the word in should be into because the word in in Greek is the word ice, and ice means into. The Lord's blood brothers, they had not surrendered themselves into the Lord Jesus. And that made the Lord's brothers a type of the Jewish people, a type of the Jewish people referred to in John 1.11. John 1.11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. You can't get more of his own than to be a blood brother, which were they were. These are his brethren that are standing outside the crowd. They want to speak with him in verses 46 and 47. These are the brethren who have taunted him to get himself killed by referring to when his followers would, would find, referring to the fact that his followers in Jerusalem needed to see him openly, which would have put him right within the, the bullseye, the target of the scribes and Pharisees who were trying to kill him. These are his brothers who are taunting him, taunting him to get himself killed and when and in this scene, this is why he said about his family, his family and many families in Matthew 10, 37, 30, Matthew 10, 34 through 37. Think not that I'm come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. I'm come to set a man at variance against his father, the daughter against his mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. And he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. These are his brethren. These are his brethren now who have, who have taunted him to get himself killed that he's referring to when he said the brother would try to get the brother killed in Matthew 10, 21, Matthew 10, 21, when he said the brother shall deliver up the brother to death and the father of the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. 
and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. So this history of the Lord's very brothers trying to get the Lord put to death, it shows us something very interesting also. It shows us that how the very best influence that a person can make on another person is no guarantee that that person will respond well to God. And there could have been no better influence and no better example, or you might even say training, than the oldest brother in this family of Mary and Joseph had on his brothers. He was living in the same, they were living in the same house as the Lord Jesus. And yet his own brothers here are trying to get him to be put to death. And that should really speak to every godly parent who pours himself into raising his child in godliness and then sees his child go off and live for the devil. Because there's, that's no more condemnation on the job that the parent did in raising the child than it was a, a condemnation on the Lord's part of influencing his own brothers. Every person makes his own decision for or against God. And as parents, we do our best. Parents do their best to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But in the end, the decision to follow God is 100% the children's. And their decision is no reflection on how good a job the parent did in raising their children. So what the Lord's done here is he's drawn a line in the sand with his brothers when he responded to their call for him to go up and get himself killed when he said in John 7, 6, John 7, 6, Jesus said unto him, my time is not yet come. Your time is always ready. So he's referring, when he's talking about going up and getting himself killed, which he did eventually in Jerusalem, he talked about that as my time. He talked about his death as my time. He spoke about his, his, his death as the pinnacle of his life, the pinnacle of his time, the best that he could do was in dying when he died for our sins. The highlight of his time on earth was when he put away our sins by his death. That was his time. When through his death, he made an atonement for our souls. That was his time. When in his death, he poured out his blood to cover our sins. That was his time. When he, as it says in Isaiah 40, 53, Isaiah 53, he poured out his soul unto death to bring us to God, that was his time. And his time would happen when he would go up to Jerusalem and they would apprehend him and put him to death. But his reply to his brothers in John 7, 6, John 7, 6 was Jesus said unto him, my time has not yet come. But by contrast, he said to his brothers, but in John 7, 6, John 7, 6, your time is already is always ready. He meant their time was now. Their time was to enjoy life and that they were always ready to have a good time in life. He meant their time was to be loved by the world, be accepted, have a great reputation, be prestigious. And they were always ready for that good time in life. He meant their time was they were always ready for the eat, drink, be merry. Always be ready for a good time in life. But he told his brothers that he was, by contrast, 
hated by the world because he exposed the sin of the world. But the world loved his brothers because they didn't expose the sin of the world. So he told them, go up to the feast. Go have a great time in Jerusalem, the Feast of Tabernacles, great time. He's going to stay in Galilee. But he really did go up to Jerusalem, but he did secretly because it wasn't time for him to be put to death. This is his brothers who are standing on the outside of the large crowd. They want to speak with him. This is brothers who want to see him be put to death. And he knew that his followers were going to feel the pressure from the brothers to turn away from God. So he said about his own experience, like I said, he said about his own experience in Mark 13, 12, the brother shall betray the brother to death. So it was not only his brothers that were outside this perimeter of the crowd that wanted to speak to him, it was his mother also. Verse 47, verse 47, then one said unto him, behold thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. This was this also his mother. His mother, who in another instance, a lady in a crowd yelled out to him at another time, yelled out to him in Luke eleven twenty seven. Luke eleven twenty seven. It came to pass as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps or breasts which thou hast sucked. But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Again, at that time, we, we read in, in that, that passage, Luke eleven twenty seven, Luke eleven twenty seven, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice. This is another interruption while he's speaking. And this woman who lifted up her voice, she tried to humiliate and embarrass the Lord by publicly calling out when the Lord was a helpless baby inside his mother's womb. And then that woman had the audacity to talk about the Lord sucking on his mother's breasts. Yeah, it's amazing that she didn't go ahead and make a sucking noise and say, is that the way you sounded? When you sucked on your dude, she didn't go the, you know? The implication, are you really this prophet of God? Did you sound like this when you were sucking on your mother's breasts? You know, this insignificant Mary, your mother, that was a real put down by that woman. It's amazing she didn't go on to graphically describe how dirty his diapers were. I mean, why stop? Because what that woman did was all designed to humiliate and embarrass the Lord publicly. She tried to humiliate, she tried to embarrass the Lord by publicly referring to his mother's uterus and to her breasts. She tried to get the Lord to yield to an embarrassment to think about these things. Of all the low-down, dirty tricks played on the Lord, publicly refer to the mother's private parts in public. Why in the world she... Well, in a Jewish home, the mother is highly revered. That's an understatement. She rules the home. It's not uncommon in a Jewish home to find an overbearing mother on her son. It's not uncommon to, 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 to find a Jewish mother who exercises, uh, I don't know what, control overbearing by making her son feel guilty. Jewish mothers should get a degree in making their sons feel guilty. They're very good at it. You know, 
Like the story of the Jewish mother who gave her son two shirts, and the next day he puts on, a shirt, puts on one shirt, and the Jewish mother says to her son, what's the matter, you don't like the other shirt I bought for you? <laughs> okay. This is not uncommon for a Jewish mother to be overbearing. So when this woman yells out in the crowd about the uterus and breasts of the Lord's mother and how blessed they were, that was all designed to bring them down. So the Lord is being told that his mother is standing on the outside of the crowd wanting to speak with him and that he was expected to stop speaking to the crowd and go speak with his mother. Yeah, that's, that's really what... What, uh, what verse 46 is sort of implying here, behold his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. And in verse 47, someone says, behold thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with you. So the way that verse 46 and 47 is presented makes us suspect that this person who announced that the Lord's mother and brother were outside the crowd wanting to speak to him, he's drawing us to conclude that this person is calling out the crowd and he's calling out to Hey, everybody, focus a little bit. Turn your attention over to who are these people, the mother and brothers of the Lord. And the reason that the person was doing that, again, very subtle, because, because, um, because, because we know that how the Lord's family was viewed in Israel from Matthew chapter 13, Matthew 13, verse 54. 1354, it says, when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence did this man have all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor save in his own country and his own house. So the Lord was despised because of the lowliness of his family. We can feel that when these questions here in Matthew 13, 55, Matthew 13, 55, when they say, is not this the carpenter's son? It's not his mother called Mary, his brothers, and so forth. With those words, the carpenter's son, the Messiah, that can't be. His mother, Mary, she's practically a washwoman. We see her in the marketplace. She's a lowly person. Her son, the Messiah? I don't think so. Brothers, those clowns, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, their Messiah stuck? Never. His sisters? We know them. They're the sisters of the Messiah? Oh, please. But keep in mind that the people now they were leaning toward the Lord being the Messiah because we saw that in verse 23. In verse 23 where it says, all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? So apart from accusing the Lord of being possessed with a devil and working in partnership with Satan, what would the Pharisees do next? They'd put the spotlight on his lowly family and argue that with a family like that, he can't be the Messiah. Now, there's something, when this happens in verse 48, there's, in verse 48, there's something very beautiful about the Lord. In verse 48, when it says, but he answered and said unto him that told him. Just that one phrase. You know, the Lord is in the middle of a very important topic. He's preaching, he's focused. People are all there around him. And this announcement that his mother and his brothers are 
were, were outside wanting to speak to him. It was a big interruption. It was an interruption. You ever been interrupted? I mean, you know. You're right in the middle of making some point and something until someone interrupts you, the phone rings or whatever. You know how easy it is. It would have been for the Lord to just ignore that man and go on. You know, the man who makes the announcement about the mother and brothers being outside wanting to talk with him. You know how easy it would have been for the Lord to say, look, I'm in the middle of making an important point right now, so please tell him to wait. I don't want to deal with that problem right now. Take a message, you know. But that's not what he did, and that's beautiful. That's not what he did because he allowed himself to be interrupted. And it just shows with the Lord this gracious flexibility. And that's an example for us. Because you and I will never be effective servants of others unless we're willing to be interrupted. Unless we're willing to be flexible. Unless we're willing to have our plans be changed. We can't be so rigid in life as to say, I have my plans and that's what I'm going to do. So now in a very Jewish style, the Lord says, so who is my mother? Who are my brothers? By the way, it's interesting here, the Lord says nothing about his father. One reason is because his stepfather Joseph wasn't there. Another reason is because he really didn't have an earthly father. Another reason is that because it's believed that Joseph may have died by the time the Lord was crucified, who knows when. It may have been that he died already. But at any rate, conspicuous by his absence or mention, the Lord says nothing about his, his stepfather Joseph. So now, with a, a dramatic, dramatic stretch, it says in verse 49, he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, behold, my mother and my brethren. So the Lord is calling his disciples his brothers and his mother. And when the Lord did that, the Lord was saying, when he's saying, these are my brothers, he's saying that I'm not just a regular brother. I'm a special brother a special brother who's faithful, more faithful than a normal brother because the Lord is saying that in addition to being a brother to his disciples, he's a friend. He's a friend. Not just a regular friend, a special friend. A Proverbs 18.24 friend brother. Proverbs 18.24, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Closer than a brother. Just as the hymn puts it, Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. My friend, no other friend could love me so. He's my friend. Now, the Lord said about his disciples, behold my mother. He, said, he called his disciples, behold his mother. I mean, that, that is really a rebuke against Mary. And Mary was not unfamiliar with these corrections from the Lord. Like when the Lord said to her in John 2, 4, John 2, 4, Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Or in another instance, when the Lord Jesus had to rebuke and correct his mother Mary, and he told her in Luke 2.48, Luke 2.48, when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought for thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? They understood not the saying which he spake to them, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things, sayings in her heart. So when it says that, that his mother Mary kept all these sayings in her heart, that shows that Mary was teachable. 
and willing to be corrected by her son, who was also her Lord. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.